strange, meaningless thought. The shell appears strong, but the inside is right. It's time to be stirred. The time is now. The winds have changed. Read the signs. No time to hide. The winds have changed. Millennia ago, from the little cave on the tiny island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, for the winds have changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times. Everybody and welcome to GIF. As we're in the first Friday of Lent, I, Tony, hey, Christina, Hello, and Daniel on the other side there. Um, we'll begin with prayer, okay? Good. Yes. We're going to waste any time. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, the soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy, holy God, God, holy mighty one, 
Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Eternal God, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us, increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, pray for us. All your angels and saints in heaven, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's a first Friday of Lent. So we have the children's mass this morning. So before the it was. Kind of funny, I thought, you know. So the couple of the services. Uh, do you have a? Uh, was your brother at the mass on uh, Wednesday? And I said, no, I don't have a brother here in Chicago. And he said, uh, oh, we saw him, uh, and yesterday we saw him on the, on the, uh, out in the yard over here uh, between the school, and the parking lot. I said, oh, I said, was he, was he an old man? And they said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's enough said, you know. But I think I know who they're talking about. Really? Who? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. That's yeah. an old man. It's an old man. <laughs> Everybody with a bald head looks the same, you know. <laughs> we have a teacher who's got the uh, who's bald, you know, and, and I. Uh, it's a it's a guy, right? Got, of course, <laughs> yes, yeah. Okay. So, I asked today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was at mass yesterday. Oh. He was, but that's not, not the guy. Okay. Was, but but anyway, when I when I shaved my head, which has already been two years almost, you know. Wow. And I, I went to the school, and I w- was went to the small kid, the little kids. They came, they, they came out. They said, "Oh, Mr. Reed." They said, "Why are you dressed like this?" <laughs> you know, I was dressed like the in the cassock. You know? <laughs> so I thought it was uh, kind of funny. You know, I always remember uh, Ash Wednesday, Father, when you said you went over to. Distribute ashes to the preschoolers. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, they look cute on Wednesday when they came in. But when you went and you were dressed, oh, in your vestments, in the vestments, right. yeah. And then the first one said, "Oh, I was dressed for Halloween," <laughs> and everybody else. Yeah, Sister Susan, she said, uh, "Could you uh, come to the school and give ashes to the preschoolers <laughs> and the little ones because they don't come to the church yes. now? They're now now, now they're we coming. bring them, yeah." And so I said, sure, I'll be happy to. So after I, after the Mass, I went, and uh, the vestment was, of course, purple, purple. with uh, right. the gold. It's very anort, anort, ornate. 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 Yeah. It's going to be one of those days. Every day is one of those days. Very ornate. And so I went there, got to the preschool. I had the ashes in my hand in the container. And so they're very small, very little kids. So I knelt down so that when they come up, you know, I'm, I right. can— At uh, their level, like I don't have high. to stoop down and— yeah. And the first kid, like you said, came up and he said, oh, I was Superman for Halloween. And 
And after that, every student told me what they were for Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> That's cute. They're so innocent. <laughs> They're really funny. Um, but you have to have the teachers interpret, you know, when they talk oh, when to they you. Oh, yeah, because you don't understand. Yeah, because I, on, on Wednesdays I have eighth, eighth grade class and then I have the uh, second grade because they're, get, they're getting ready for Holy Communion. The eighth grade are, get re- are getting ready for Confirmation. And uh, so I go from the eighth grade and I can talk to them intelligently. Mm-hmm. Then I go to the second grade and it's a hard, I'm exhausted hard. by the time I'm done because you have to talk at their yeah, level. level. Yeah. So everything has to be, you have to break everything down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a, a challenge it's, it's for a me. Challenge. It's a real challenge. So, and, it, and that's the hard thing about the, the, the children's masses. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with uh, the adults. You're dealing with the... The upper, uh, upper grades yeah. and then uh, middle grades, and then you're dealing with the little little kids because the kindergartners yeah. and uh, first graders come. Mm-hmm. Preschool only came, you know, for the ashes. For the ashes. They come from time to time. So anyway, so anyway, I thought uh, we could talk a little bit about so this Sunday, uh, the first Sunday of Advent, uh, the first Sunday of Lent. We just it feels like we're still in Advent. Advent yeah, I just finally put my Christmas stuff. Did away you finally? Yeah, yeah, I had. I didn't have a chance before. Well, that's good. It's because we're in Lent, Lent. so we want to yeah. get out of the of Christmas season and into the season of Lent. This is a, one of the shortest uh, uh, shortest times between Christmas and, oh, that's right. and Lent, and then Easter is right around the corner. Because um, we have five five Sundays of, of Lent, the forty days. But uh, in the Gospel, what we what we're going to hear this morning, it's really it's uh, I believe from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, but the very short. Probably the shortest version of Jesus going into the desert simply says that the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Uh, This is as Jesus begins his—it's from the desert that he really begins his three-year mission toward the cross. But but this image of Jesus in the desert— is a striking analogy or metaphor for prayer. Because uh, the Catechism speaks of prayer as the great mystery of our faith. And what are the three, the three things that we emphasize during Lent is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So to be charitable, fast, and prayer. So I'm gonna just going to focus on prayer right now. But, but without, without prayer, we have no relationship with Christ without prayer. And as long as we're in the here and now of this world, prayer remains a mystery because we are in the exile. We're made by God. We're made for God. We're not condemned to the desert of this life, but destined for eternity and communion with God and communion with those who die in God's grace or in God's friendship. We're created for God. We're created by God for God. So I'm, I use the analogy of uh, the life journey as a, de- as a journey through the desert. Um, and yet we know we have, uh, let, let's just say, we come to the oasis from time to time, and there's great joy in life, and uh, God gave us a Sabbath, a day of rest, and there's time for relaxation and rest. And But apart from that, there's, life is pretty stressful and unpredictable. We can't completely control. We can't, well, we cannot control what will happen tomorrow. 
We can we, we may think we can. What do they say in Spanish? Man proposes, God disposes, right? That's right. Man proposes, God disposes. Um, or a very common uh, thing that is said in, uh, among the Mexicans, if God wants. Mm-hmm. Primeramente you know, Dios. Primeramente Dios. Mm-hmm. If God wants. So you, it's, it's a, which is kind of nice, Kenya. It's really uh, having this awareness that uh, we're limited in what we control, that God is ultimately in control. God sees what we do not see. But at the same time, in life, there is joy. Thank God, you know, we have joy, and we have a little bit of a respite from here to there. Uh, God gave us a day of rest, the Sabbath. But uh, but prayer is necessary. Uh, no prayer, no relationship with God. Or as St. Jerome said, if, if you're ignorant of the, of the Gospels, you're ignorant of Christ. You don't know Jesus. Um, and we know from the Gospels that Jesus often sought out lonely places to pray, the desert, the wilderness, the top of the mountain, the infamous Garden of Gethsemane, and even so, wherever he was and with whomever he found himself, he prayed unceasingly and taught us to do the same. Uh, The two great longings in the heart of Jesus were to redeem us and to bring us to the Father. And his own longing for his return to the Father was at the center of his prayer because he was in the exile as well. God took on our flesh in order to lay out the blueprint, show us how to live, but primarily he came to redeem us. And so as the, as the, gospel, as the gospel reveals to us, Jesus was not spared the sufferings and struggles of this life in the midst of the wild beast and, and the loneliness and dryness of the desert, he remained receptive to the will of his Father. And as the Gospel said, the angels ministered to him. If, if we remain receptive, docile, humble, if we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we will be ministered to. If people could believe that, that God is aware of those who have a heart turned toward him. Heaven is closer to us than we to ourselves. But as St. Augustine said, reminds us that due to the exile, our hearts are not at rest until they rest in God. And that's a reality we have to accept in, in this life. You know. And by the way, sacred scripture says more than a thousand times written in sacred scripture more than a thousand times it is the heart that prays the heart that prays if the heart is far from god the words of our prayer are in vain the heart is the inner chamber inner sanctuary that hidden center beyond grasp of reason Only God can fathom the heart and know it fully. So the heart is a place of decision deeper than our psychic drives. 
It's the place of truth where we choose life or death, the place of encounter with God, the place of covenant. So in the exile of this world, the heart is the place of mutual encounter, God seeking us and we seeking God. We're in search of God. And our search is fully revealed in Jesus to whom we have access to the Father by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. And this encounter is mystically and most pointedly experienced in the Holy Eucharist because that's where God, in a very real way, comes to us. Remember the night before he died after he instituted the Holy Eucharist? Do this in memory of me. He said, I'm going to the Father, my Father and your Father, there to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will be, but I will not leave you orphans. I will be with you. I will stay with you. And uh, I always think, in fact, we prayed that, that we read that, uh, that gospel at your aunt's a funeral, mm-hmm. uh, the road to Emmaus, uh, those two disciples right. who Jesus meets on the way. It was the day of the resurrection. And he, they, he made it so that they wouldn't understand, uh, under, recognize him. And they looked, they were very sad. He said, why are you sad? Why are the eyes downcast? And they said, are you the only one who doesn't know? We thought he was a one. We thought Jesus was the Messiah. We thought he was a Christ, the one to set us free. And and I'm reading, you know, as you, as you pray the scriptures, you, you get, you see between the lines. And so the, basically, you know, when we were with him, we knew where we had come from, where we were going, who we were. He, uh, in his presence, we had peace. He was our strength. He gave us hope. He, he loved us, named us and blessed us. And in his death, our hope has died. And then Jesus said so beautifully, Oh, uh, que insensatos, you know, how, how foolish you are uh, to forget. Wasn't it supposed to be this way? Wasn't it all written? And he goes back and he extrapolates from the Hebrew Scripture, what did Moses say in Zechariah and Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Baruch, all the prophets? What did they say? Wasn't it supposed to happen this way? And then they come to this juncture in the road, and Jesus, he acts as always going on, he, as if he's going on uh, down this other road. And they say, Sir, come and stay with us. It's getting late. Remember, this is the day of the resurrection. And so he went into the, their home, and he sat down at the table. He took the bread. He blessed it. He gave thanks. He broke it, and he gave it, and he vanished from their sight. And then they looked at each other, and they said, Did not our hearts burn as he spoke to us? He's alive. They recognized him in the breaking of the bread. He, he remains with us in the bread. This mysterious food made known to us, but unknown to others. The hidden manna, the bread of life, to sustain us on the journey that we not collapse and that he reproduce his life in us. And with that, they, 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 their fear was gone, and they went back to Jerusalem to break open the door of the Seneca and to announce to the apostles that Jesus indeed is alive. And they, before they could even say it, uh, the apostles said, he's, 
He's alive. He's appeared to Peter. He appeared to Peter. Um, and so this, is the, this encounter is mystically and pointedly, most pointedly experienced in the Holy Eucharist. And blessed the eyes that see, your, that, that, that see the ears that hear. Because it's, it really, really isn't about feeling, but it's about accepting and trust that this is how the Lord chooses to remain with us. Certainly in the Word of God, because again, ignorance of the Gospel is ignorance of Christ, and in the Holy Eucharist, which is the highest act of prayer. We, we go there for what? For uh, adoration of God and gratitude and thanksgiving in supplication to pray for others and to seek forgiveness for sins. That's the, the fount of the divine mercy we're being mystically washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so that's uh, the place of our encounter, uh, collectively speaking. Uh, and, and, and really, I have to, I've said it probably before, but that my favorite Mass is the, the 7 o'clock evening Mass is so quiet so peaceful, very contemplative. Uh, and people are there with, with great intention because they could be all, anywhere, but, uh, but on a weekday they choose to come. Sunday is a day of, the, uh, of obligation where we're obligated to assist in Mass on Sunday. But that's, that's, uh, th it's there that we encounter Christ. But we'll take a break and when I come back to this idea of unceasing prayer and, you know, as Jesus sought out lonely places, the desert, the top of the mountain, the wilderness, there to commune with God, to pray. You know, so too it should be, and this is something in Lent, if, we are, if we're not doing it, we need to do it. We've got to do it. Um, I just want to say real quick, you know, yesterday we had the priest, uh, resurrectionist, we're here. We had a meeting here, and so we started out at the Iconic Monstrance, Our Lady of the Sign, and I wanted to uh, do the prayer that we do that with the children, uh, their, their adoration prayer. So we do the, the, the angel prayer. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, I love you, and I thank you. I ask pardon of you for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, do not love you, and do not thank you. Then we have five minutes of silence. Pray one decade of the rosary for the conversion of sinners, for peace in the world. Five minutes of silence, and then the uh, one decade of the chaplet of the Divine Mercies we do in the beginning of the show, and specifically to pray for the sick and the suffering and those who are dying. And with with the children, we have other intentions, you know, for the rosary and for the uh, chaplet, uh, to pray for our families and our friends and that uh, Our Lady bring students to the school. And then after that, we have uh, five minutes of silence again, and then we end with the Divine Mercy, the, the, the Divine Praises, uh, my God, I believe, no, what is it? Uh, I, I can't think of it right now. I've got the chaplet in my head. Blessed be the... Blessed be God, God blessed be his holy name, name, blessed be Jesus Christ, uh, truly God, truly man. What? Um, or blessed be God the Father. What? Anyway, the, 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 the praises. But uh, but what was nice was, and this wasn't planned, I probably thought it was planned, because our children have to make the adoration once a week. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I thought I told uh, Jasmine uh, in, the, in the office to tell the school that we're gonna, I'm going to be in the church from 11 to 12 and so that we should, nobody should be there unless the, those who come to a door. Uh, yeah. And yeah. we were, the priest got there, and, and just as we were, uh, I was passing out the, what we use for the children, 
who comes in, but the seventh grade class comes in. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, that was nice. I, at least they're going to pray for, and, and it was really nice. So they prayed with, uh, oh, the, with the priest. With the yeah. priest. Oh, that's and nice. It, it was it was really 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 nice. But uh, but but the, and, and the reason why I break it down with just five minutes of silence is so that they can handle that. But mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned on the radio before the eighth graders. I chose to do all the prayers at the beginning because they want more time in silence, just to be in the presence of the Lord. But in in essence, we're, when we go for adoration, we're going away. Where we seek out, like Jesus, we're going to a lonely place, uh, out-of-the-way place. It's, uh, you can call it the wilderness, the top of the mountain, the desert. But the point is, it's away from the noise of the world to be in the presence of God and just to, to be still and know that God is God. So uh, we'll, we'll take a break. We'll come back and uh, talk a little bit more about prayer. Uh, I want to share with you the, the words of uh, Saint, uh, uh, Saint Cyril. Who, who do I have here? Saint Athanasius. Did I bring the wrong book? I sure did. I think I did. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll find out. Um, I'm all over the place. That's, that's what happens when you're running from one, one thing to the next, and that's exactly what I do. So don't go away. We will be right back. I'm Father Anthony on the Winds of Change, AM 750 WNDZ. How long has it been since you have been to church? Busy schedule? Work? Or just lost interest? To be Catholic is not just merely attending Mass as just another weekend activity to be checked off the to-do list. Participation in the Sacred Liturgy gives you the opportunity to be intimately connected to Christ through the Holy Eucharist. You can also cleanse yourself of sin through the Sacrament of Reconciliation as a baptized Catholic. Come before the iconic monstrance to be in Christ's presence in the sacred silence of the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy. St. Stanislaus Koska Church is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. St. Stan's is just off the Kennedy, two blocks north of Division on Noble. Come back to Christ through the sacred liturgy and his gift of the sacraments at St. Stan's. I'm Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Costco, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and you are listening to The Winds of Change. This Lent, may I suggest that you consider the fact that there is a person who is madly in love with you as an individual, so much so that he never stops thinking of you desiring your good and yearning for you to visit him so that he can be consoled by you and so he can pour out gifts upon you more valuable than any treasure on earth. Yes, he is so deeply in love with you that he literally laid down his life for you in a very costly, bloody, painful manner. He is not indifferent as to whether you come to him Only you can placate the thirst he experiences for you. This Lent, come to Jesus often in holy mass and adoration. How blessed you will be. I'm Jim Littleton, forming FaithfulFamilies.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for being with us as we're in the season of Lent. You know, the stress is on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, The point is, really, it's a spiritual... Uh, house cleaning, right? We want to rid ourselves of any bad habits or sinful habits and really nurture, cultivate our our intimacy with God. And and through that, we need prayer. 
uh, with, with no prayer, you, you just can't know God. And, and so, so, so while the Mass, we were just talking about the Holy Mass is the highest place of encounter as we make our way toward the Father. Always remember that we're on our way toward, toward the Father. Uh, we're called to live each day in the habit or the discipline of prayer, which means that we remain in the presence of God and having communion with him. I go back to what the, what you're saying, what the, what the Mexicans always say, you know, um, if God wants, mm-hmm. man proposes, God disposes. There th- you know, we, we can plan, we can do, we, 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 we want to control a lot of things, but uh, at a snap of, you know, you snap your fingers and something can change completely. So you, you ultimately you learn to put your, your faith and your trust in God. You take it a day at a time. And uh, the entrustment of our lives to God the first thing in the morning is so important, so important. But, uh, but St. Therese of Lisieux defined prayer as a surge of the heart, a simple look toward heaven, a cry of recognition and love embracing both trial, and joy. So it's really a beautiful explanation of prayer, isn't it? A surge of the heart, a simple look toward heaven, a cry of recognition and love, embracing both trial and joy. And again, as I said, sacred scripture says more than a thousand times that it's the heart that prays. A prayer is God's gift to us and our gift to him because it's our responding in love to his love. Not coming from pride, but from a humble and contrite heart. I think of the uh, the tax, the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, remember the story yes. in the temple, and the Pharisee is uh, praying and he's looking at the tax collector and he looks at God and he says, "Oh, thank God! I thank you. I'm not like the tax collector. I pay the tithe. I go to the synagogue. I keep the commandments and." On and on, he gives a litany of all, all his virtues and all the things that he does. And the tax collector is uh, prostrate, and he's beating his chest, and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. And Jesus says, this tax collector will be first in heaven before the Pharisee. So he knows the heart. Mm-hmm. He knows the heart. That's for all of us always to ask, what is, what is or who is in our hearts where is the heart? Because prayer's foundation is humility, the antithesis of pride. And St. Paul reminds us, and I and thank God for this. He says we are ready to we're we're ready to receive the gift of prayer only. Finish the sentence. If we're receptive. We are ready to receive the gift of prayer only when we acknowledge we do not know how to pray as we ought. Mm-hmm. Because it's a prayer of mystery. Yeah. And it's very beautiful. Because, you know, after all the years, I'm a priest, what, 39 years? And I've been in uh, seminary, 76, whatever, you know, I'm well over, uh, well over 40 years. In religion, so to speak, in the in the inner circle. Um, but I've always prayed. As a child, I used to take walks and pray. I think I was probably odd, but uh, but I used to go into. I'd love to go in the woods and just. Uh, we had woods behind our house, and I would love to just go out there and 
and just walk around and just think about God and pray. Um, but again, the prayers and just it wasn't asking God, you know, I want this, I want that. It mm-hmm. was just, just, just somehow you sense, you know, you you, you intuitively know I, I come from God, I go to God, and so God is there. There's somebody. Uh, remember, I was sharing the story of Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. and he he always knew, even though he was he lived a, a pretty bad life, a very gifted life, but a very bad life. Um, but he always knew that the, the, there was the, the great boss, the great <laughs> boss, and uh, and that that great boss was watching over him. And uh, while he was demanding, uh, he was also merciful. And and Babe Ruth acknowledged that, you know. And at the end, it's just the, the, his deathbed uh, conversion, if you want to call it a conversion, was really beautiful. Just uh, preparing himself for confession and getting things right with God, the boss, mm-hmm. right? But uh, don't you think that people kind of deep down, even people who deny God, it seems to me they deny what they do not know because and, God has been, what do you think? And yet they know deep down that he does exist. And when they say that they're offended when people mention God, it's because they know he, even though they reject them or they don't want to accept them or say that he exists, they know he does. That's why it bothers them. And what is it? Because what? Because he's demanding. Because deep down we know that we're not maybe living the way God wants us to live. And that we need to, if there's a God, we need to acknowledge God. Mm-hmm. And humble ourselves. And the, the beauty, I think he appreciates when, you know, when we pray the rosary and the prayers. Right. But when, you know, like you said, the, the children, they prefer to have that quiet time, say the prayers first and then, at the end, just sit there and just be and come to him as we are. Right. No mass. And he knows us better than we do right. with with our hearts and tell him everything. Not only do we acknowledge him, we thank him, but we tell him, you know, you know, have mercy on us. But with our own words, our prayers that come from the heart, and that's what means a lot to him. So the heart the heart has to be truly repentant because mm-hmm. it's uh, the reality is we are sinners because if we're if if we if we put place ourselves before God's perfection then we acknowledge you know our imperfection mm-hmm. and that we do miss a mark and uh, I, I keep t- trying to tell the students and I, and, I, and I think I tell you I think uh, as I speak through the radio that you know try to uh, see yourself through the eyes of God. And if we could get this in our head, that when God looks at us, each and every one of us, his focus has to be on who he created. You know, it's kind of like a parent who says, well, my father did this to me, as, as a matter of fact. Because um, I got in trouble, in, in really bad trouble. And I, I've told the story before, but I was in in the eighth grade. We were on a military base in uh, Delaware, and you had rules, you had curfews and all that, and we would get these uh, these tents. My father would get, he was the chief of the, uh, the blocks. So you have this uh, a cul-de-sac, or I don't know if it's a cul-de-sac, but you had probably like 20 units, houses, all attached to each other, but in a, in a U-shape. And 
Um, and, so my, and then we had a huge um, uh, field where we would play football and, and all that, and you had the parking lot. And so my father would get us, he could get us this, uh, uh, like a 12-man tent, uh, and we would set it up over the for the night or for the weekend or whatever, and then the the guys would all we would all our friends we were in junior high, we would camp out, and uh, and every block had had tents, and we did some kind of foolish things, and and of course there was a curfew, so you couldn't be out in the streets mm-hmm. beyond us. You had to be in the tent or in your homes, and the the military police they would be roaming the uh, the base. Uh, housing area and so we you know foolish kids we would i mean not compared to what's going on today it was <laughs> exactly. pretty, pretty yeah, that was minor but we would uh you know make it a point to be out you know sneaking around past the curfew past the curfew <laughs> and uh and, and and we would also up upstake the other tents you know in other neighborhoders you know there was a i remember the Ottinger boys you know they had a, they had this was another cuz you had all these different units there's another like a little gang <laughs> <laughs> so we we went we up upstaked the tent so the tent fell in on them and then we then we took <laughs> off and uh but the uh but i remember you know the military police was uh, coming down the street and i saw them and then I took off, but in the, the opposite direction. And I hid in one of these uh, cylinders all night because I was afraid of being caught, being found. But uh, in any case, we did that and some other crazy things. And, uh, you know, in the eighth grade, you get you, eighth graders, you sign your autograph book and all that. Mm-mm. So it was graduation time for eighth grade. And every and all my friends were writing, remember when we went, when we upstate the... <laughs> The tent of the audience. You Ottingers. were the mastermind. <laughs> I, oh, I wasn't. Oh I wasn't the mastermind. Right, but I, something like that was. No, no, I wasn't because I was a follower. Right. Uh, and and so I was, uh, you know. But anyway, all the the shenanigans that we did <laughs> were written in the in the book. Oh no. And so I happened to come home one one day after school, mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And my father was sitting there. <laughs> oh, with that look. He was sitting there and he had this book in his oh, hand. No. He had the autograph book in his hand. <laughs> and I thought, this is not good. This is not good. And he threw the autograph book across the hall, across the room, across the living room. And he came up and he took me by my shirt and he pushed me into the wall. <laughs> not literally, pushed me against right. the wall. Yeah. And, and he told me, he says, is this... Is this how I ra- is this how I raised you? Is this how I raised you? You know, he says, "Did I raise you to be a follower or a leader?" Uh, you know, and that stuck with me. I mean, that, I never, never forgot that uh, because at that moment, in my father's fury and his anger, I I realized for the first time my father believed in me. Right? That he believed in me, and I carry that with me all my life. But isn't that God? You know, mm-hmm. God, God sees. Who he created, what he created us for, and so um, uh, that's his focus. But but he does chastise. He mm-hmm. will punish. He knows the rough edges in order to bring us to our senses and bring us back to our true identity. Don't and you like think? you said, Father, he calls us to a higher standard. Calls us to a high standard. Yeah. So anyway, that's a well wow. a little bit of my. Uh, Stuff. By the way, I have to. Yeah, we'll take a break, and I'll show you. There's something horrible that happened uh, the other day, and this is just very scary. And don't let me forget about that, okay? Because I'm talking about holy young people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was, 
Uh, no, really, we'll be right back. Don't go away. I'm Father Anthony on uh, Winds of Change, AM 750 WNDZ. St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy, is open 24 hours a day, seven days per week for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in the iconic monstrance. The Blessed Sacrament is reposed during the celebration of Mass and during special events. St. Stan's doors are always open for adoration. Come anytime, day or night. St. Stan's is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, right off the Kennedy. Visit ststanschurch.org. We are the students of St. Stan's La Tosca Academy. Your children can join them for face-to-face classroom instruction. Visit ststanschicago.org to find out how. And you're listening to the Winds of Change. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool age three and four, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org. ststanschicago.org. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, I want to tell you a story. I know we're talking about prayer, but it fits in because, you know, you know, well, in fact, it will. You'll see. Well, let me finish this, and then I'll tell you the story, you know, mm-hmm. which is very, really, really sad, scary, actually, you know. But um, as I said, you know, prayers, the foundation of prayer is humility, acknowledging our need for God. Uh, same, and and as, as I said, St. Paul reminds us we are ready to receive the gift of prayer only when we acknowledge we do not know how to pray as we ought. And, and St. Augustine says, man is a beggar before God. That doesn't mean we're, you know, I want, give me this, give me this, give me that. But know that I want God, that I, that I want to know you, God. And I tell, the, I tell our students that, you know, is in your prayer, because what, what do you say? We're supposed to know God, love God, and serve God. So when you pray, you know, you know, ask God, God, I want to know that you know me, because that's what really makes a difference. When you know that God knows you, and in knowing you, he loves you, and in loving you, he serves you. That changes everything. Um, so it's not so much the gift we seek, but rather the giver of the gift, which is God. That's what's really important. Prayer is Christian insofar as it is communion with Christ, which extends throughout the church, which is his body. And then finally, and these uh, you've heard me mention these words before, But in the words of St. Cyril of Jerusalem, these words can be related to the image of Christ in the desert and the nature of our journey through life in the exile. Remember the gospel you're going to hear on Sunday. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. He remained in the desert 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. 
And this quote from St. Cyril, you've heard me, I've said it before, I, I, I love this quote. The dragon sits by the side of the road watching those who pass. Beware lest he devour you. We go to the Father of souls, but it is necessary to pass by the dragon. If we pray with the heart, we have the assurance that as the angels ministered to Jesus, we too will be sustained and our prayer will bear fruit in the sanctification and salvation of our souls and those of others. So yes, the dragon sits by the side of the road watching those who pass by. Beware lest he devour you. We go to the Father of souls, but it is necessary to pass by the dragon. This is a reality of life. The Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. He remained in the desert 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. So I was thinking about this, um, which really causes me a lot of pain. And I'm saying this because I think you know, everybody has to be very cautious. So one of our altar boys, the Knights of the Altar, we call them the, the, the Knights of the Altar, and he serves religiously on uh, Sunday night at the, well, I'm not going to, uh, anyway, he serves at the, one of the masses. One of the masses. Mm -hmm. um, and he also, uh, he comes uh, for, at other times during the week and all that. Great kid. He's, 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 a, he's a, just a humble soul. He loves God. He's a hard worker. He mm -hmm. has to work, you know, because he, he's got a big family. And he's only 13 or 14 years old, and he works in a restaurant, and because sometimes you can smell the grease, you know. Um, but he comes to Mass, uh, and he, he's always, he always wears a, a religious medal, a couple of religious medals. He, he talks about God. He, he, he's he's, just, he's just, a, just a beautiful, beautiful kid and very pious uh, and, a, and, and different because he, he, is, he, he, he does— work hard. He loves to play uh, chess. Uh, he's always uh, excited about the tournaments he's in and all that kind of stuff. So I got a call um, uh, during the week. Monday is Monday. I got a call late in the, at night that, you know, to pray for this kid because he got extremely sick. It was rushed to the hospital from the school by ambulance, from the school by ambulance. And so I didn't know what happened, uh, didn't know who to reach out to. I didn't have his parents' uh, phone number. So the next day we got another call. Uh, it came through somebody else, you know, to pray for uh, this kid. He's, he's very, very sick. And uh, so finally, you know, I, as we were go, getting ready for Ash Wednesday, uh, all the servers were there. He wasn't there. And I said, you know, let's let's pray for him. I don't know what's happened, what's going on. Let's pray for him. And so we we prayed, put him in the petitions. And then as we were coming down the aisle, I saw his family, and I saw that he was there with his family. So I reached out to him. I shook his hand. And I said, you know, we've been praying for you, and and all that. And so afterwards, after the mass, I went to the family. Well, he had, and he wasn't there, but he had gone into the sacristy, and he was at school, and. Somebody put drugs in his lunch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Could have killed him. Could have killed him. And I saw the picture of him, in, you know, as they were taking him in the ambulance. 
uh, he, w- he was very, very sick. He was in the hospital. Thank God he's okay. But that is so evil. And I, and I, I, I knowing, the, knowing this kid, mm-hmm. I believe it was, uh, you know, I, I'm not one to, you know, get on the bag wagon about this, you know, bullying. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that this guy was bullied. I, I believe that I because of so. his faith and his mm-hmm. innocence and his docility, a spirit and his, 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 his work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you could see it by the way he carries himself. Yeah. That he's very deeply devoted to our and, Lord. Yeah. And extremely mm-hmm. polite. Mm-hmm. Extremely polite, extremely courteous, kind. Yeah. And, uh, and I really believe that uh, evil kids yeah. mm-hmm. did this to him. That could have killed him. And I, and I say that because I, you know, I, I, I say people, you know, you got to be, we got to really be uh, really astute mm-hmm. and not duped today because there's evil out there. And I, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, it's, it's so obvious now that that's what's bringing some people back to the faith. A lot of young people are coming to the faith. They don't have the baggage I have, you know, because they don't know what it was when I was a kid, but they know what they're up against. And there's a point, maybe it's not the masses, because it really, a lot has to do with what's happening in the, in the home. Uh, and this is where, you know, parents need to take responsibility. You know, if we're, parents should be praying for their children daily. Mm-hmm. Talk about an unceasing prayer. Yeah. Uh, praying unceasingly mm-hmm. for the welfare of their children, their salvation, their sanctification, their protection. Because they're they're up against the world, and uh, you know it's it's it, it, it really is a crazy world. And, and this this idea that did they legislate this? I don't remember, but or they were trying to, so that you know you you cannot uh, if you want an aspirin, you've got to get your parents' permission. Yeah, I think that mm, is. Yes. But if you want um, puberty blockers, you know. Cool Parents can't get in the way. Nope. And the same thing with an abortion. Just mm-hmm. ludicrous. It just is crazy when you yeah. think about yeah. how upside down everything is. But again, it's 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 you know this going back to the this rejection of God. You know it, it's you, you, we go away from God, as I say so often. We create the vacuum. The demons come in. Falsehood comes in. And, and yet we're all created by God for God. And so to reject God is to, in a sense, it would be like the story of Adam and Eve, right? Uh, the serpent yeah. tempting them, the, the devil tempting them. You don't have to listen to him. You know, eat of the apple and you'll be like God. You'll be in control, mm-hmm. right? In respect to the idea of control, uh, that I want to do my thing. I mean, Jesus was, was crucified. He was put to death. He was rejected because he was a conscience of the people. He was a, a thorn in their side. He was calling, calling them to the truth, the truth. He wasn't permissive. He was very, again, he's uh, very demanding. But his, again, his greatest attribute is mercy because he knows what we're up against. He knows what we're up against. And if, and if we're not and this is what we have to, during Lent, you know, really pray for authenticity because we need to authenticate our lives in Christ. And, and again, without prayer, it's impossible. Oh. 
Because prayer is nurturing intimacy with God. It goes beyond feelings. It's, a, it's about not the knowledge that, we've come, that we come from God and we go to God. Or as, again, Beirut said, the boss. There's, a, there's the, the great boss, you know, who sees everything and does hold us to a high standard. And he himself said, I purposely walked away from him, but yet I got on my knees at my own altar, the altar of my heart, and, uh, and I begged him to keep me or protect me from myself, what I had the capacity to do to myself. You know, St. Uh, John Chrysostom, this is uh, the reading, actually, it was in, in the Office of Readings today, speaks so beautifully about prayer. He says, prayer in, in converse with God is a supreme good. It is a partnership and union with God. As the eyes of the body are enlightened when they see light, so our spirit, when it is intent on God, is illumined by his infinite light. He says, I, don't, I do not mean the prayer of outward observance, but prayer from the heart, not confined to fixed times or periods, necessary though they be, but continuous throughout the day and night. Our spirit should be quick to reach out toward God, not only when it is engaged in meditation, at other times also, when it is carrying out its, its duties, caring, caring for, the, for the needy, performing works of charity, giving generously in the service of others. Our spirit should long for God and call him to mind so that these works may be seasoned with the salt of God's love and so make a palatable offering to the Lord of the universe. Throughout the whole of our lives, we may enjoy the benefit that comes from prayer if we devote a great deal of time to it. Prayer is the light of the Spirit, true knowledge of God, mediating between God and man, the Spirit raised up to heaven by prayer, clings to God with the utmost tenderness, like a child crying tearfully for its mother. It craves the milk that God provides. It seeks the satisfaction of its own desires and receives gifts outweighing the whole world of nature. Prayer stands before God as an honored ambassador. It gives joy to the spirit, peace to the heart. I speak of prayer, not words. It is the longing for God, love too deep for words, a gift given by man, not given by man, but by God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, we do not know how we are to pray, but the Spirit himself pleads for us with inexpressible longings. Again, it says those are words of great consolation. When the Lord gives this kind of prayer to a man, he gives him riches that cannot be taken away, heavenly food that satisfies the spirit. One who tastes this food 
is set on fire with an eternal longing for the Lord. His, heart, his spirit burns as in a fire of the utmost intensity. This is, those are beautiful words. And, you know, I, I taste and see the goodness mm -hmm. of God and nothing else will suffice. You know, I've said it before, but, you know, I, sometimes in the morning, you know, you wake up and you, you start worrying about this and that and whatever. And, I, and, I, and I, it, it, I'm really at this point in my life where I just long to be in the chapel because as soon as I do, I know I'm in the presence of God. Even though I know he's there, you know, I can be lying in my bed worrying about this. And I say, Jesus, mercy, I trust in you. Have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Um, you know, I, rec I recall the words of Jesus at one day at a time. You know, I, it, was, it was nice to hear one of the altar, uh, one of the knights of the altar mm -hmm. say this morning how hard it was to get out of bed. He just didn't. I said, you know, it's, it's such a torture every morning to have to get out of bed. But, um, but, but, to, when, but I know I, 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 I long to get to the chapel even before I can have mm -hmm. any coffee, go to the chapel. And just bring all this worry, all this anxiety, all this stuff before the Lord and, and, and knowing that he's going to see us through. And he always does. He always does. Gosh, we're out of time. I can't believe. Um, Tony, you didn't, didn't give you a chance to say anything. No, I'm thinking. You're thinking? Yeah. You're praying. I'm praying. He's praying. You're praying. Meditating. Meditating. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you, child. See?